I am Daniel Ikes, and welcome to Big 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years, and today I have my special guest. He's the author of several books, no other than Mr. Richard Eyre. Hiya, Daniel. Fantastic, like you, Mr. Richard. How about you? I'm good, I'm good, thanks, yes. Ah, that'd be awesome. So let's continue to discuss about the Prophecy Book 2. Okay. Minstrel's Bargain, the first of the Prophecy books, that was, that, and I was, uh, the last time we were speaking, I was saying I, I had no intention of making any sequels to that at all. But, uh, you know, things change. And I, and I thought, well, actually, I could make a sequel. Um, and so at the end of Minstrel's Bargain, without giving too much away, uh, the main character, uh, Phil Sturgis, he's, he thinks he has defeated Minstrel, this evil demon. Uh, he thinks everything's okay. And his companion from that first book, the, uh, who we didn't really talk about, the tramp in the, uh, in, in the last time we talked, but the... The other main character is this this character called the Tramp, who Sturgis sort of comes to uh, rely on, because the Tramp is in actual fact a, a, a creature from a sort of supernatural world. Anyway, at the end of the the, the book, uh, at the end of Minstrel's Bargain, the Tramp to save uh, Phil, basically from thinking about the horrors that he's that he's witnessed he he basically erases his memory wipes his memory of everything that's happened in the first book and so the second book minstrel's renaissance so we find phil it's 10 years later so this book is set in 1999 late 1999 and it we find phil in a bit of a he's, he's, he's in a bit of a down he's just turned 40 and he, the newspaper, the, sorry, the musical, the music magazine that he, he worked for in the first book, he, he now joint owns. Uh, but rock music has gone through a bit of a phase. He's not quite sure that he even likes the new music coming out in the late 90s. He doesn't, he, he feels a bit lost. He feels a bit alone. He even starts to think that his wife, who is his girlfriend in the first book, he's, he's now married to Shelley. He's got a horrible feeling that she might be having an affair with her boss. Um, and so he's, he's feeling a bit down. He's going through a bit of a midlife crisis, to be honest with you. Um, but then, out of nowhere, the, the tramp appears again and, and all his memories come back. And he finds that the tramp has a, has a message for him that uh, Minstrel is is returning because the prophecy has begun. So... The prophecy is this fabled story in the in the in the supernatural world of a, a human who will be born who will actually get rid of evil, get rid of you know the devil basically. Um, and of course, the devil isn't very happy about this, so it basically sends minstrel out to make sure that the prophecy this this child it's an unborn child is is got rid of and so the whole story is about uh, Sturgis and the tramp having to basically protect the mother of this child before minstrel can can get to her and minstrel this time is uh, he, he was taking over the body of a guy called kick bazaar in the first book 
is now the front man of a of a, a grunge rock band called Covenant, and his his name's Yaron Doyle in this book. So there we are. That's a lot of ro- rather long winded sort of praise of what the book is all about. There's a lot of rock and roll. Yeah, a lot of rock and roll. Okay, a lot of horror. If I will read book the minstrels renaissance, is yeah. it all connected? Give all the summary of one and three. Yes, yeah, sort of. I, I said this once when I, right, I didn't realize writing is because when I was halfway through this, I realized I wanted to to make this into a, a trilogy. So when you're doing the book in the middle, it was a bit like the Empire Strikes Back and the Star Wars. So you have to sort of have it linked to the first book, but there has to be a hook, if you like, into yes. the third book. Uh, and I found it very, very difficult. And Minstrel's Renaissance is a book that really, writer's block, really struck very, very hard. Um, and I just couldn't, I couldn't get my head around why Minstrel was doing what he was doing. Why he was, he's got a mission in this, this, this novel. He's not just collecting souls, which is what he normally does. He is just after one particular soul. And so I thought, well, why would he, why? Is he killing all these other... Why is he getting all these other people to kill themselves or kill other people and stealing their souls? Uh, but I, I, I sort of found that answer in a little line, a, a line that I'd forgotten. I'd written in, in the first book where the tramp tells Sturgis that souls are important. And so I thought, well, yeah, so if the souls are important, the souls are what gives Minstrel his power. And the more souls he can collect, the more powerful he will become. Because in this book, Minstrel is playing a bit of a, uh, a... He's walking on a thin line because he is he's trying to... He wants to get the prophecy, but he needs the prophecy, the, the person to live long enough to start killing, to start weakening the devil because basically Minstrel wants to take over from the devil. So he is... Um, he's he's been tasked with with killing this child, but at the same time he doesn't want to do that. He wants to get strong enough to defeat the devil and then kill the kill the prophecy. So, and his idea after that he will he will plunge the world into darkness forever. No one will ever be able to stop him. You know. Um, yeah. So that's the hook, and that's what leads into the third book. Book. So, what do you think the best highlight of book two? Oh God, that's that's I don't know. I, I again, I think, I think the you know what with all three books, I think the the conclusion, the the that's they're all sort of action packed uh, endings, if you like. And yeah. thinking back, each one of them ends at a concert um, or a festival in the third one. But um, uh, it's. There are there's there's some very inventive deaths in this. I, I went out of my way <laughs> to think of sort of gruesome and uh, nasty deaths, you know. Yes. Uh, and, I, and, I, and this one is a bit more international than um, than Minstrel's Bargain was. So you've got people getting. That's quite a good scene where a guy goes uh, crazy on a bus in Germany. That was that's quite good. Uh, but yeah, I think the conclusion, the, uh, you know, everything leads to the, to the big, the big finale at the end, and uh, it's quite a big finale at the end. Of uh, it takes place in the middle of a, 
it takes place on New Year's Eve, 1999. You know, so it's going to turn to the year 2000, the next millennium. And it, it takes part in a massive snowstorm with, with thunder and lightning and people. There's all sorts of stuff going on. So I quite like that. And there's a returning, there's a returning character who you wouldn't expect returns in Minstrel's re Renaissance as well. Uh, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. Cause... Yes. Spoiler alert. It's... Yeah. <laughs> Sounds interesting. For all the three books, what make book two Minstrel's Renaissance more unique? Uh, it's, I think it's, it's unique in how Sturgis feels about himself in this book. In, in, in Minstrel's Bargain, he is a young sort of free. That's just him and Shelley. He's he loves his life. He's got he, he's got a mate that he he really loves. You know, the two of them work together, and he's loving life until Minstrel comes in and starts twisting everything around. In the third book, he's again a happy man. He's older, um, but he's settled down. He's he's got his wife and his kids are grown up, and he's and again he's he's sort of quite settled in life. I think what makes this one difference is how Sturgis feels at the time. He's very mixed up. He doesn't know what's happening in his life. He's, he's a sort of a, 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 he's got two, you know, small children. His daughter is three and his son is one. And he, he loves his wife, but he, he's got this horrible feeling that something's going on that shouldn't be going on with her boss. And he's feeling very sort of down because he's not making much money. The, the, the magazine is not doing well. He feels a bit of a failure, and his wife is very, very successful in her um, career. And so he's just he's just feeling a bit down and a bit lost. And I suppose the fact that the tramp reappears in his life and tells him once more that he is this fabled uh, traveller. The tramp calls him traveller all the time because he's one of... Um, many people who have defeated or have tried to defeat minstrel over the years and the, uh, they've all been called the traveler and it, it sort of gives them a purpose in life again and i think that's one what makes that's what makes this book stand out from the other two as far as the characterization is concerned I think. how many days and month you wrote this book god you know i can't remember um like i say i had a horrible horrible section of writer's block until I realized he could kill people just because he needs the soul. So when I was mulling that over, that simple thing, I actually wrote the best part of um, A Hat Full of Shadows. So I wrote short stories. I find that if I've got writer's block on a, on a longer novel, if I'm not 100% sure what I'm doing, I, I, I leave it and I'll just maybe go and just write out some shorter stories. And that seemed to help me through that sort of, that real sort of not knowing where this book was going or how it was going to end or what I was, I knew how it was going to end, but I didn't know how to get there. Um, and I couldn't understand the motivation of the character of Minstrel. I just didn't understand what he was doing myself. And obviously if you're writing the story, that's quite important. Um, but yeah, once I got that, that was fine. So I think it took me longer than not. It probably took me the best part of a year, I think, because of this big chunk of writer's block that I had. You know, and also I'm always writing just in my spare time when I can. So it always sort of takes, you know, a bit longer than it perhaps should. 
So what did you learn from this book? Oh, I learned that you sh I should plan a little bit more um, because up until that point with Minstrel's Bargain, Point of Contact, they, I'd written those two books before Minstrel's Renaissance. And both of those had been written quite a while before. And so Minstrel's Renaissance, in a way, was the first new book I'd written for quite a few years, you know, I, I'd edited the other two books and things like that. But in essence, this, the story was there. They were already there. So this was, you know, quite a, um, quite perturbing in a way, starting a, a 90,000 word novel, as it turned out, uh, from scratch. And I, and I just wrote it like I'd written the other books. I just started writing it. You know, I sort of knew roughly where it was going to end and what I wanted to do. But I, I learned... To, to plan a little bit better. I still don't plan the entire book out because I think that that gets rid of your creativity because things will things will come to me while I'm writing that I think, oh, I can go there with this, you know, and change that. Um, but I what I tend to do is I, I write out. I t when I'm writing, I've got the script that I'm writing on and then on another Word document, I've got, I have a, a plan, if you like, chapter by chapter, chapter one, chapter two, it, but it'll be just a sentence or two um, about where roughly it's going to go. And I've never got more than four or five chapters in front of what I'm actually writing. That's what I learned from this book. I learned how to plan a little bit better because I think that's, well, up till now, it stopped me getting writer's block again, you know, from not knowing why a character is doing something. Very well said, Mr. Richard. What behind the, the meaning of uh, the title of book two? Right. So Minstrel's Bargain, obviously, is the name of the band um, in that minstrel, this, this demon. His name is Minstrel. So the band was called Minstrel's Bargain because there is a bargain that has to be made. There is a contract that has to be taken between Minstrel and, and Sturgis eventually. Um, and that has been, that bargain has been, you know, Minstrel has done this throughout time. You can either take the bargain or there is a down, you know, there's another way of, of sort of getting rid of them. But that's that's where the title of that one came from. So once I had Minstrel's bargain, the next book had to be Minstrel's something. Um, and so obviously Renaissance, meaning rebirth, renewal, because at the end of the, the first book, you would expect Minstrel never to be able to come back again. But of course, you, you haven't got, you know, you, you, you got to, <laughs> if the devil's involved, the devil can do what, what, what it wants, can't it? So uh, the, the renaissance is, is the rebirth of, of Minstrel. Um, and that's, that's basically where it comes from. Sounds interesting, Mr. Richard. Is it hard to write uh, three books? Yes, I found it very difficult. Um, and at the end of the third book, I, I, I'd had enough, you know, and I was pleased I, I, it was only ever going to be three books. Um, I t it's not that I got bored. I like the characters, but I got bored or I got a bit tired about... I wanted to tell this story, this three-book story, but I think three books is, is more than enough. I, I can never see myself writing you know, 30 books of the same characters. I just, I don't think that is where my skills lie. I think I would burn out 
fairly soon. Maybe if I if I if I you know with Shadow of the Knife, I want to I want to write a sequel to Shadow of the Knife, and hopefully more books on that. But I would have to do other things in between. I think I don't think I'm the type of person who can just churn out, you know, twenty twenty stories, which. To be honest, when you read these sequels, a lot of them, they're very similar. They're the same story, just, you know, rehashed slightly. But in general, you've got to, you know, I mean, I love Bernard Cornwell books, the Sh Richard Sharp and the uh, the Last Kingdom books. I love historical fiction and I love his books, but they're, all, they're basically all the same, you know, without putting anybody down and certainly not putting Mr. Cornwell down, who is an immense writer. But if you, you've basically got a, a main character who has to do something, something really bad happens to him. And then at the end of the book, he, he springs into action and, and you know, uh, wins the day. And that's basically, I think that's what most sequels are like. And it's basically what most um, books are like, aren't they, really? You know, if you're thinking about character arcs and things. And that's certainly that's what the minstrel books are like, what the prophecy books are like. Um but it's very difficult. I find it difficult. I don't. I'm. I think I'm better at writing standalone books rather than. I think the writing. I think the actual yeah. writing style is 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 better in Renaissance and Requiem, the third book, than it than it was in in Minstrel's Bargain. It's simply because of what, you know, more practice. I think you know you you get better as you practice anything, don't you? Oh, you yes. should do. Uh, practice make you perfect. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's ever perfection, but yes. uh, yeah. I always read back through stuff, even, you know, even a life, life eternal and shadow of the knife, which have been really well edited as well. If I read through and I think, oh, I, I would, I wish I'd written that slightly different. Then, then, you know, you can never be totally satisfied. And mistake make you perfect too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what inspired you the most of writing book two? What inspired me is uh, because like I say, it was, sort of the first new book I'd written for a while, it inspired me to think, yeah. When I'd written the end on that book, I thought that that I've done and I was pleased with it. I'm really happy with it. And I thought I'll really like this feeling of, you know, putting those ninety thousand words in a certain order to make a story that I actually think is is a is a is a good story and quite well written. And that inspired me to think, right, I'm definitely going to I'm going to go and carry on and, and write, you know, and I wrote the, the sequel to it. And then that inspired me to think, right, well, I've, I've done those three books, those three horror books. I want to try my hand at something different there, which in, in time led to A Life Eternal, which is a very different type of book. Yes. What is the reason why you don't want to uh, write the sequel of A Life Eternal? Because it's hard to... It's yeah. just hard to do. I can't do it. It is a self-contained story. Um, and I, there's, there's no way you can, you, can, you, can, you can do it justice. It would, it would, I, I would feel like I had done this, that book, and injustice. I think it's a, it's a one-off story that is the story of one person's life. So I wouldn't want to do then another story of somebody else's life with the same thing. You know, it, it would spoil it. It would, it would belittle that, that book. It's a bit like when I went to see um, Highlander 2, The Quickening. <laughs> walked, out of the, walked out of the theater. Cause, and I felt like they'd sort of betrayed the first film, you know, because I loved the first film. 
Um, yeah. And I think that will be the same. There are some books that are made for sequels, like Shadow of the Knife. I think it's that's a that's a uh, there are characters there that you can drop into um, different investigations and different uh, adventures, you know. And I suppose you can go on as long as you want, really, as long as you're. Uh, what interest? What I would maybe like to do with Shadow of the Knife as well is is maybe jump ten years into the future because I think eighteen ninety to nineteen hundred is a there's loads of things changed. I think the world's changing, so I, th that's that I would maybe like to do with those characters is drop them into a more modern world from these Victorian backgrounds of, that they have. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I'm, I don't. I'm never say I'm not saying I would never write another minstrel book. I, I would. I have got a sort of an idea of a of another standalone minstrel book. It's almost like a prequel to Minstrel's Bargain, you know. Um, and I, and I I would love to do that because I, I do like the character of Minstrel. He's he's a great Prophecy. character to write. Yes, Richard. Do you think that Minstrel uh, Bargains and Minstrel Renaissance can stand alone as a novel? They could do, yeah. Certainly, Minstrel's Bargain can stand alone. Um, it, obviously, it's the first one, so yeah. And you, it's sort, it's got a, it's got an ending. This one has an ending as well. And I do sort of give a little bit of background to Bargain, just in case anybody picks it up without having read the first one. Um, and it, you could read it on its own, but it's better together because you know if you've got the what what had gone on ten years before. For, for Phil Sturgis and what's going on in his life now. I think one of the things I'm most proud of with all of the minstrels book, it gets any interview I've done about, it's all about the blood and the guts, but actually what I, what I like most is the characters that I've created. I, I just think they're, they're well-rounded, you know, and I'm, I, people have written, that by the time you get to the second book and third book, you you know you you feel for these people and you and you want them to, you know you feel for Sturgis and and you want him to um, to succeed in his mission because he doesn't want anything to do. This he's never asked to be this traveller, you know. He just gets dropped into this world of horror that he until the tramp sort of trains him and 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 tells him what he is and shows him what he is, then. Uh, then he, he, he's just an ordinary guy. That's what I like about Phil Sturgis. He's just an ordinary man dropped into this world of madness that he that he has, you know, that he has to be trained for. Yes, yes. Uh, so, what are the, your top five adjectives of Bhutu? So, I would have to have gory again, um, inventive. There's some really good inventive deaths. There's a really good one on the North Sea ferry going from um, from Britain <laughs> to, the, to the Netherlands. That's a really good scene. Um, yeah, so what did I say? Gory, uh, inventive, adventure, you know, fast-paced is another one. I think they're, they're fairly well fast-paced. And again, just like the first one, as a humour. There's a little bit of humour in there. There's a bit of, to break up the, the unrelenting sort of horror. Sounds interesting, Mr. Richard. What else you can say about Bhutu, Minstrel's Renaissance? Uh, well, I'll say you should go and buy it because it's mint. Um, just that it is, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know what else I could say about it, really. It's, I think it's 
decently written. There's some really good scenes in it. Um, and it sets up the third book, I think, brilliantly. I, I, and I, I, I wrote it. I'm saying brilliantly. That sounds really big-headed. But I, I like the way um, I've, I've set up the conclusion to Minstrel's Renaissance, which links in very nicely with the beginning of... Uh, Minstrel's Requiem, which is the th the third and last of the trilogy. If you have a movie contract, is it the same title to the movie the trilogy? I would love it to be the same title. I like the title. I like the. T I've, there's a few people who wrote on the on reviews for Minstrel's Bargain that they said they picked it up because the title was like, well, what does this even mean? Minstrel's Bargain. What's that? What is it? And then you think, oh well, it's to do with the title of the band. But then when you're about three quarters of the way and you go ah that's the real reason for the title and they've they've quite liked that i don't know if steven spielberg would want to change that that would be entirely up to him i'd be quite happy if he made a film of it but uh no i think the um the the titles will be will be quite good you know what i mean the you've got the nightmare and not the nightmare what is it um the Halloween stuff, you know, and Jason, Jason does this and Jason goes into space, all the other, what all the different things is. So you could, you could have it as a subtitle, I suppose, you know, the prophecy, you know, yes. minstrel's bargain or something like that. But I don't know. But I, yeah. I think the titles work for the books, but they might be a bit. <laughs> it's really suitable, Mr. Richard. So calling out for our movie outfit out there. Let's uh, try Mr. Richard. Trilogy book, the prophecy. So, where do people uh, buy your books, Mister Um Well, it's this, exactly the same place as Minstrel's Bargain. You can get the Kindle edition on Amazon, but you can get the sort of ebook, Corbo. Uh, it's not sort of, you know, it's not just on Amazon. Um, but again, anywhere where you can where you can buy your book, really, Corbo, uh, Look or something like that, you can get it from and. And the paperbacks, again, uh, Amazon, but uh, you can get them in various other places as well. Yes. In Canada, you can buy those books, the Prophecy Trilogy in uh, Coles and Chapters and Indigo. $5, people. So let's support yeah. Mr. Richard and let's read this great horror novel. Okay, let's shout out to the people listening in India. I am number 45. Thank you so much, wow. India. In Egypt, I'm number 47. Thank you so much, Egypt. And Taiwan at number 89. Algeria at number 58. And Ghana at number 32. So all of these fantastic writers and uh, reviewers and just general good eggs. Steve Griff Griffiths, Faye Phillips, Andrew Neil McLeod, John Fullerton, Patricia Ayling, James Marks, Richard Wall, David Owen Hughes, Chris Tetrell Blair, Adrian Chamberlain, Anita Waller, Duncan Bradshaw, Shane Agnew, Chris Hall, Trish Finnegan, and Nikki Baker. Um, I'll also say thank you to my wife, Kath, because she's, uh, she's always been there and, and reading my stuff for me. Yes, definitely. So let's talk about book three next week, Mr. Richard. Brilliant, yeah. This is where it all ends. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Daniel. You take care.
More to come, people. See you soon. Bye-bye.